Welcome to the Empowered Spirit Show. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. I'll explore the connection to the human spirit in a way that helps to navigate your life, including crisis. I am passionate about helping you to open up to your intuition and the metaphysical world of spirit to find your confidence and your own inner guidance. Take a pause, be inspired, learn ways to show up focused, centered, and more dynamic in your everyday life. Welcome back to the Empowered Spirit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me today. This episode is being brought to you by Forecast, located in Homewood, Alabama. Forecast is a hair salon on a mission to shape a movement in the beauty industry, focusing on education, fashion, and creativity. Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online at ForecastSalon.com. As this podcast goes to air, we are in the midst of a full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Lots of intensity coming in this week and maybe even some magic in the air. Scorpio is one of the most transformative signs of the zodiac. And this full moon combined with the lunar eclipse offers a time for revelation, change, and immense psychological breakthroughs. There will be no hiding from the vibrations of this eclipse. It may not feel particularly good, but the change that can occur ultimately opens the door for your highest energetic potential. Scorpio is deep, it's water, it's emotional, it's the shadow work. Facing the depths of your soul can be intense, but it is needed to move through this energy and to find the growth that is being called upon all of us right now. Pay attention to your feelings, your intention, and the signs from the universe over these next several days. Honor your emotions. Cry, scream, laugh. Just be kind to yourself and others. And be careful of any of the manipulative energy that may want to come forward. It's also the Wisak moon, which holds very spiritual energy. Gathering in the Himalayas right now are many, many spiritual teachers. This is considered one of the most important Buddhist festivals, commemorating the birth, enlightenment, and death of the Buddha. Our spiritual teachers gather, they do a beautiful water ceremony, and this energy just raises the consciousness all around us. And this is when we offer the great invocation of Alice Bailey that she brought to the world back in 1945, a message for all people. The great invocation, let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So yes, this is an intense day today and it carries over too in the next several weeks. Yes, we also just opened up to Mercury Retrograde. So really being careful your interactions, your relationships, your communication is really important. Knowing your presence of energy, your truth, your voice, your spirit is so valuable at this time. And that's where the rights come in to help you move through all this stuff. Rites being Reiki, intuition, tarot, EFT, stones, and crystals. Finding ways to tend to the struggles of your life with these tools can add inspiration, amusement, and joy. It can free you from all the stress that is going on in the world. All of these cosmic forces and energy alignments I talk about on my Energy Focus for the Week, which you can find live on Sunday nights on Facebook and Instagram. We talk about what's going on, we align our energy, we set intentions for the week, and I pull the tarot cards. Join me or catch the replay. As we move through all of these cosmic transitions, now is the time to clean up your energy with an energy clearing session. Schedule one in person or online. When you work with the energy body, it helps to release the old patterns and all that old stuff. Links will be in the show notes. For when you start going within and connecting to your soul and your spirit, you will find your answers. If you're a strong, passionate person who's ready to take charge of your life and let go of the stories running around inside of your head, let's talk. Let's talk about my Empowered Spirit private mentoring program. Warning, this work will change your life. It can seriously improve your body, mind, and spirit. Side effects, yes, perhaps. You may see yourself or others as they really are. You may experience loss of excess baggage, 
resulting in major life changes. You may become the person you're really meant to be. My Empowered Spirit Program can help you upgrade your spiritual path. You'll learn lots of energy tools, techniques, ways to center your energy, ways to raise your vibration, and ways to release the energy drains and limited beliefs that hold you back. Now is a great time to jumpstart your spiritual practice. Schedule a spiritual upgrade breakthrough call with me, and let's talk about how this program can help you. In today's episode, I speak with Sivan Hassett and Rachel Reed Walke. They are together co-conspirators in all things with heavy emphasis on spirit. We talk about Sivan's new book, Entering the Mind, and how meditation can help you have this practice of finding the presence in your life and that space that allows you to rest. We talk about meditation, the natural state, the standard human condition, out there versus within, recognizing your own nature, sitting still, resting point, the recognition of the mind, perseverance, personal commitment, and a sense of awareness that you can experience. Before we begin, let's take a moment to pause, to center, and set an intention for where you are right now. So wherever you are, if you can, close your eyes. Take a nice deep inhale, bringing the breath all the way up the body. And exhale, sending the breath all the way down deep into the earth. Inhale, calling in your spirit. Presence your energy. And exhale, affirming my spirit. Coming into the heart as you take that next inhale and exhale right into the very center of your heart, connecting with the greater source, spirit, creator. Feel that connection. Know that you are known. Know that you are loved. As we go to create this beautiful space, we call in the masters, the teachers, the archangels, calling in your own spirit guides. We ask that they work with us and through us to surround us and protect us as we open up to this work. Taking a moment, noticing where you are right now in this season of spring and this beautiful full moon energy shining deep into your soul. Notice those seeds of intentions you've planted. Notice where your spirit is right now. Notice the intention you want to set under this energy of this full moon eclipse. Allow those elevated emotions for the intentions to radiate out from your heart, sending that vibration all around you. Taking another deep inhale and exhale, grounding your energy, slowing down, centering bringing the awareness back, coming back, blinking your eyes open. So my guests today are Sivan Hassett and Rachel Reed Wilkie. They together, as they say, are co-conspirators in all things with a heavy emphasis on spirit, which together they've been exploring since the day they met. Throughout the years, they have collaborated on numerous projects in the arts, both in Los Angeles and New York City. Their time in the East Village culminated in a monumental exhibition, Documents of Love, 
at the famed Hosfeld Gallery in Chelsea, where the couple exhibited a diverse body of work, poetry, paintings, photography, and a short film to the attendance of thousands. Upon returning to Los Angeles, Sivan and Rachel founded Riot Material Magazine, a now thriving and widely read literary cultural magazine with its eye on art, word, and the forward-aiming thought. Rachel and Sivan are the rare married couple who not only work and create together, but practice together day by day, side by side, often knee to knee, in the singular pursuit of knowing the deeper self beyond the conceptual self, that timeless, eternal being, which births forth the temporal one. To that end, the pandemic years saw the couple in contemplative retreat at their high desert ranch in the northern Mojave, a sacred landscape which sits just below the 1,200-foot peaks of the eastern Sierra Nevadas. Here, beyond their full immersion into meditative practice, Sivan wrote, Entering the Mind, while Rachel delivered to the world her inaugural spoken album titled XI. So let us welcome Sivan and Rachel to the show. Welcome. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Thank you so much for coming today and especially for the work that you're doing. And Sivan, your latest book here, Entering the Mind. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that. But first, let's start with like what led you to writing this book? Well, let me just first say that opening was beautiful. Um, (laughs) It makes me want to turn this interview around and interview you. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Um, well, I've been practicing Dzogchen for quite a, quite a long time and we hit the pandemic and, um, I just really started to hit my stride in the meditation and and arriving at a a full understanding of what I'd been studying for many years. And it, it just felt right to try to articulate it in some way, because so much of what's, what is written about Dzogchen can be quite complicated and kind of off-putting. And I just, what I've been seeking most of my life is a book or a series of books that speak to the whole journey from how you, how you eat, how you think, and then how you meditate and what are you meditating on? And so really entering the mind is exactly that is, is really from beginning to end, how to get in there and look at your own mind from a clean state of body and mind, and then going in and looking for that mind in its natural state. And this is the state that we're already awakened in. We're just distracted by so many things. And so we just, we get under all that distraction and we look at this natural state and then we rest there and we just observe it. So it just felt timely to write the book. Definitely timely for sure. And I will say that as I was reading it, it was very relatable. It was very easy for me to understand. So now that you say that the practice actually is somewhat harder to understand and get into, it's like, wow, this definitely did do that because truthfully, it's like, this is my language. (laughs) He's talking what I understand, right? Now, granted, I do read a lot, but it was very understandable. And I just love the way that it flowed. And I just kept reading through it and like, yeah, I get this. I understand coming back to source. I understand. I understand the levels of consciousness. Now, not everybody will, but it was written very beautifully in the way that you break it down. And that is interesting that you say that sometimes it can be hard to understand. So already kudos to you for already making it in a language that we can read and really can begin to apply. Cause you also do have exercises, but before we get even further into that, let me just back up a little bit more and just then ask you what led you to the meditation practice? What led you to this in the first place? Was there something going on? What was your life like? What led you to say like, okay, I need to do this. Well, I think it's the standard human condition, which is fraught with terror and anxiety and, you know, just like what the hell is going on out there in this world? Um, I grew up in the '60s and '70s when, you know, the U.S. was really just just roiling with with all kinds of just dark energies and and people striving for justice and and the war was going on and and of course it was also a beautiful time too. You know, just like just there was a freedom in the air. It felt at the same time, even though there was warring factions going on. So I was a bit confused by it all and, and fascinated, but also a bit, you know, horrified and just started seeking teachings at a very young age. I was also seeing like dark spirits at a young age and, and wanted to kind of find a, a way to fend them off. 
So it was a lifelong pursuit, which led me to, in my right around turning 30 years old, um, stumbling on some Buddhist teachings that, you know, I'm not a religious guy and I've always kind of any kind of doctrine I kind of, I look at with a, a squinty eye, but um, the Dzogchen, t- I mean, the Buddhist teachings that I was looking at spoke, started speaking to the Dzogchen, which at, at the time was, was kind of underground. It was just starting to come up in the U.S. because it's, it's a very Eastern tradition, but secretive in many ways. And so I just realized that th- there's something there. And I, I did some research and found some teachers and just recognized that this is it. This is taking me to exactly to where I need to go in my life. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the sixties too. And sometimes I wonder like what happened, what happened people? We were like kind of getting out there and starting to really stand up and then, yeah. Ah, granted precursor for where we're going now, but still, yeah. And we do need it more than ever. Right. We need it more than ever for people to recognize what their natural state is and what, what is within instead of all of this, always reaching out there, always out there. Yeah. So let's, let's break it down now a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about the practice and how this kind of fits into Buddhism or how it can be on its own. Yeah. Let's look at that. Well, um, I speak to it as being the peak of Buddhism, and it really is, but it's not Buddhist at all. Really, when, once you enter into the Dzogchen teachings, there's no Buddhist doctrine whatsoever, though they all the great masters are, are Buddhist by tradition. But really, it jumps out of that tradition. In fact, there's many several traditions in Tibet. Uh, the Bon tradition, which is a shaman tradition, the peak teaching is, again, Dzogchen. So... Um, because once you enter this terrain of Dzogchen, it's not about dogma. It's not about conceptual thinking. It's not about dualism, uh, good or bad. It's simply sitting and recognizing your own nature, which is like space itself. Space doesn't have a dogma. Space doesn't have a perspective. It just allows. And our awareness being is that. So um, it's beyond Buddhism. So yes, anybody could practice it. It's it's uh, it's great for the, the modern individual too, because the modern individual has got a quite sophisticated mindset. And there's many artists out there in the West and the artists themselves are the ones who really can resonate with Dzogchen. Um, so I think it's, it's applicable to us all. Yeah, I love that, that it is just a part of the Buddhism. You know, I saw the Dalai Lama when he came here to Birmingham 10 years ago. It was like the 50th civil rights anniversary here. And he was a big fan of Martin Luther King. So he did come to Birmingham and he spoke and he had all of the clergy, all the religions, everybody represented here at the Alabama Theater. This beautiful little theater we have restored here. And he talked about the whole idea like like it's just mindfulness. It's like in Buddhism, it's like it's, it's not taking away from any religion. It's just going to make you better and it's going to make you understand more of who you are. So it doesn't take away anything. And I always thought that was very, you know, amazing to really have everybody think about. And, you know, my practice is spiritual counseling. I'm an interfaith minister of spiritual counseling, but it's really the spiritual, not religious that I really do speak to and address because there is that population growing and we need to have practices that can help us no matter what we believe in. Right. And even yeah. just yes. being outside with mother earth right now to me is the most important thing. Right? Yes. We agree. But Absolutely. having the practices. Yeah. Come forward. Yes, definitely. Yes. So let's break the practice down a little bit. How does one start? How does one learn? Well, um, it's uh, it's really a very simple practice. And again, as Chris said, um, there are some great Tibetan masters out there that have had some of their Sangha sessions um, transcribed. And so there are some great books from some of the great masters out there that you can follow to understand the philosophical context. Um, but you really start by sitting still and it's that simple. And I know some of your audience are already practicing some form of meditation. So you would sit in the seven point position, which is, um, simply there to keep your back upright so that your crown is close to the heavens and your your root chakra is close to the earth. And that just opens up your wind channels so that you're able to just calm the body and actually release any blockages that might be there. And you sit in that seven pose and it's not that you particularly focus on anything in particular. Some meditations ask you to focus on your breath. Some meditations ask you to focus on a mantra. 
some meditations like shamatha, which is often taught as a prelude to Dzogchen, asks you to focus on an object. So if you're not familiar with a meditation practice of your own, you could perhaps use a small rock or a small pebble found from the earth and place that in front of you just by a few feet and just relax and focus on that object until you feel that your mind starts to settle. So that would be a, a prelude to Dzogchen. Once you've actually trained in relaxing the conceptual mind so that you start to calm down the thinking, then there will be a moment, and this is a moment that we've all probably experienced in our lives at some point or another, where there is this, this absolute moment of stillness. And this moment is actually your non-conceptual mind being revealed. And this is your your mind in its natural state where there is no thought and there is this moment of stillness. And at this point, Dzogchen teachings, they teach you how to recognize that moment because it's in recognizing your own mind that you are then able to return to that recognition each time you meditate. And then ultimately you move beyond any formal form of meditation and you begin to learn how to rest. And it's actually the resting in the recognition of your mind, which is at the heart of the Dzogchen teachings. Yeah. So I guess the first question comes up and I, cause I hear this all the time. I can't meditate. I can't sit still. What does one do with that? Like how does, how do then do you approach this when one tells you that? Well, that is a great question. And I always use this, um, this synonym where I, I just say that, well, if you had never taken a yoga class before and you'd never practiced yoga, the last thing you would do is walk up onto a mat and stand on your head. <laughs> you, you wouldn't do that. So meditation is like any other training. It does take a little bit of time. It does take a little bit of perseverance. And right at the beginning, you're no good. Like nobody is naturally good at meditating, but everybody has the capacity to do it. We can all train in meditation. And so, you know, when you're first sitting there and trying to relax the, the conceptual mind, the habitual thinking mind, yes, your thoughts are going to be going wild. You, they're going to be running all over the place. And people are going to see that as a failure. And actually, that's not a failure at all. That is just step one. That is you even becoming aware that you're having all these thoughts, that you're, um, you're in the presence of your conceptual mind, and you're actually bringing a present moment to that. So I can say that, yes, it might feel frustrating at the beginning, but a little bit every day, you will see over a short period, it could be weeks, it might take a couple of months, but in a relatively in your lifespan, it's a very short period that you will actually start to feel that, wow, I'm, I feel that my mind isn't so crazy with thoughts right now. And, and each day it'll get just a little bit easier, but that's it. It's, it is, it does just take um, a personal commitment and then a little bit, 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day, whatever you feel comfortable with. And it will get better like any other training that we do for any physical sports or any career training. Yeah, I so agree. And I'm so glad that you said that because I, I teach the same thing too. Like we all can meditate. And the, the thing is, is that sitting still, just like you said, giving yourself the ability to just dump it all yes. out. And that that's, that's what we're doing. Yes. Right. It's not like we're going to sit there and have no thoughts. And I have to say that, you know, right now, the way that the universe is running and spinning and the social media and everything is designed, it's like keeping you going yes. and going and going all that scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It is hard to stop. So, yes. so I will admit it is hard to stop and you do have to make the commitment, but the commitment is an easy commitment. It's like, okay, you know what? I just finished a 21 day challenge where we meditated 21 days. Amazing. We had some milestones, right? But it was just showing up and doing it. And if you can, it's like, okay, just even for one minute, yes. if you're watching replay, just do one minute yes. because that's going to bring that consistency. Yes. Because I do think that's the biggest hurdle right there is that people think they're, they're going to get there in one day or two days and they mm -hmm. don't and they skip a day. And then they say like, see, I told you I couldn't. That's do it. right. But it's the commitment that you say and knowing that the more you do it, the better it will be and the easier it will be to calm down. I think it's really important, I, you know, for people to hear. I totally, I totally yeah. agree. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't start a career in 
expect to be the CEO. Yeah. True. <laughs> you know, you, you start as an assistant yeah. and you learn the ropes and, and then it builds your skill set. It's, it's developing a skill and it's like no other. It's, um, you know, the, the benefits that you receive over, again, like a fairly short period of time considering your life. And it's uh, the benefits are, are just incredible. But it is, it's being, it's being patient with yourself and also being non-judgmental with yourself. So, you know, don't see it as a failure. There is no good meditation session. There is no bad meditation session. All of that, allowing the thoughts to arise is part of the process. Yeah, it is. And the great thing about Dzogchen is um, that it gives you a purpose. It gives you an actual reason. Why are you there? Many people are meditating and after, after a couple of weeks, they're like bored because they don't know what they're <laughs> meditating on. You know, is it my breath? Well, you can look at your breath for only so long. And then where do you go with there? Um, so Dzogchen is actually giving you a purpose to go in and look, you're looking for something very specific. And when you find it, it's like finding a little jewel within you. And then you get, to, you just begin to get to know this thing and, it, and you enliven it and you befriend it and fall in love with it at some point. And it becomes a lifelong relationship, a very intimate relationship with your own internal awareness being. So you don't get bored doing this practice. Whereas with most other practices, I think after a while, you're like, well, I just keep doing the same thing every day. And it's, I don't feel like it's helping me much. I'm relaxing. Yes. But I think the, the great thing about Dzogchen is it, it points you to the, in the right direction and you just go for it. Yeah, I like that. And I do agree. I think sometimes we can get bored or sometimes I think the mind too can get bored. It's like, okay, I already know this. So even though you're doing it, it's already looking for that other thing. So I love that, that it keeps taking you in deeper and deeper and building that connection that you start to feel. And I think that's important. I think also too, the noticing, like you said, when you start to notice like in between that gap, when you start to notice where that's, I think that's really important. And I think noticing, I know I teach that for meditation and like noticing and I teach it, you know, like for intuition and like notice, what did you just notice? What signs came in? What do you notice before and after? And I think that's really important because I agree. Sometimes you go, I know I'm supposed to meditate and they sit and they meditate. They don't know what they're meditating for. And then they feel great. And then two weeks later, they forget it was the meditation that got them yeah. feeling yeah. great. Right. And they're like, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. So true. And what's also interesting is that, you know, the conceptual mind is fascinated with this whole non-conceptual mind and it allows you to do it for a while. And then when you begin to align with this non-conceptual state, this beautiful state of awareness, the conceptual mind says, oh, okay, you've gone a little bit too far. I'm going to, I'm going to pull you back because this is getting a little dangerous for me. <laughs> so it creates challenges. And these challenges are really interesting when you go mm -hmm. in there and you're like, You've just, you've just spent a couple of weeks in this amazing place. You feel like you've moved to this next level. And then the conceptual mind goes, no way. It wants to drag you back. And so you find yourself in a challenge. So again, you don't get bored. You, you recognize that you're in this little small battle between your normal everyday self and the wisdom self. And mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a playful, enjoyable, but also a bit frustrating. And it keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So there's no mantra that you're saying. There's no breath that you're no using. Mm -hmm. How do you keep yourself no, sitting there right. for a while? <laughs> well, <laughs> good point. You just keep returning to that point of awareness. And, yeah. you know, for a beginner, that sounds a little bit, whoa, a little bit too much out there. But, um, but it, it really it really is that it's really this sense of awareness and, and you experience it. So it's not something that you see. It's not something that you actually feel or hear, but it's something that you recognize deep within your body, deep within your soul. And it, it just becomes, and it just reveals itself. And then you have this sensation of knowing. And I know that, um, Chris can speak to, you know, the pointing out instructions, which is um, a tradition of the Dzogchen teachings mm -hmm. and the great masters actually will spend, you know, when you actually attend a great master on retreat or in a Sangha session and um, the great master will actually transmit to you these pointing out instructions, which literally point you to the recognition of your own mind in its natural state. Hmm. And, you know, it's very simple. Again, you're looking at, you're looking at a mind that's doing very little. We've all pretty much 
experience this mind many times in our lives, but we just don't pay any attention to it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like that one little door inside, you know, when you're going to sleep and there's that little still place that you recognize, but you just don't, it just doesn't do anything. So you just slip past it and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Or if you're running a marathon, you hit that unbelievable state of just pristine stillness. And you think it's just blissful or you think it's part, you know, like, oh, I'm just, I'm in my groove. Well, you're in the natural state. And this is a state where if nobody's pointing it out to you, then you don't recognize it. Recognition is key. So you experience it, but you don't recognize it. And so you move past it. The key with Dzogchen is they, they show you how to recognize it. And once you recognize it, you go, oh, I see you. Now I know what you are. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to be aiming my practice to, to go there every time and simply get to know you. And so that's it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause as you touch into that and you have the awareness, it's pointed out, then, then that desire to continually come back and touch into that. That's what keeps you mm-hmm. going. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's actually um, a lovely chapter in the book, which is called the view. And it speaks to um, Chris uses this metaphor speaking to how you can, um, you have a roadmap Um, and you're driving your car and you're looking for the Grand Canyon because you want to drive to the edge of the Grand Canyon and have this beautiful view. And so the vehicle that you drive is your car, which takes you along the roadmap to get to the view. But then when you actually see this view and you recognize that this is the Grand Canyon, you step out of your vehicle, you step out of the car and you just rest and you observe and you just, you are in the presence of this view. And this metaphor Chris uses to explain what it is like when you recognize your own nature. And, you know, the the meditation is the vehicle. So the vehicle that we use to get there is um, calming the mind, or in some cases it could be using the breath or it could be using an object to focus on, but whatever technique you use just to calm and actively meditate Mm -hmm. is the vehicle. And then when you recognize that view, you leave the vehicle behind. You don't need to keep meditating, keep repeating. You actually just rest and observe this view. And this is the awe of the view of our own nature. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a breathlessness too, right? Yeah. It almost comes into where you're not even really like circulating the breath. Yeah, I I got you. Yeah, that's beautiful. You you arrive at a place where you're observing the breath within your awareness and you're watching the breath move through your awareness and move through your body. But the awareness itself is like, is, is so open that breath becomes you, the observance of breath is like the observance of a sacred entity. Mm. It really becomes something unbelievable Mm -hmm. because now you're observing it, not from the body's perspective, but from the awareness perspective. Mm -hmm. And the breath is like the bridge between the body and the awareness. And it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes I notice when that happens. Yeah. And it does. It's almost too like it separates out from the body. So all that pain of the body, like, it's like, yeah, like, like it's just, yeah. Yeah. It separates out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. It's interesting. You mentioned the pain of the body because um, about six months ago, I actually broke all the fingers on my left hand. Mm. And um, of course it was excruciatingly painful, but using the Dzogchen meditation technique, I was of course on and off, but I was able to literally experience the painlessness of my broken fingers. And that was literally, as you said, because you, you're, you're in the presence of your consciousness and then your, your body is experienced in the level of your awareness. And so if your awareness is, is without pain, then your body's without pain. And that's healing that that's like really good deep mm. healing. Yes. And that was and that deep goes for healing. all kinds yes. of trauma, yeah. you know, emotional trauma, yes. physical trauma, anxiety and anger. I mean, everything. Yes. Yeah. It definitely frees the body from that and the mind, you know, because we get so caught in the grooves and that's part of the problem with people stopping to meditate. They're so addicted to their own thoughts and they're like, got to keep them. They got to like hold them or they're going to forget them or something. Right. And so it just spends and spends and then it's hard to break the cycle. And then, as you said, too, like the ego, I call it the ego kind of jumps in and says, well, we know where you are right here. We don't know (laughs) what it's going to feel like to be better. Right. So you have to break through that and then you got to break through all the scrolling. And (laughs) there are some things to get there, but the rewards on the other side 
are so much greater. Yes, they really are. They're just yes. so much greater. What have you noticed? What are some of the, the responses you're getting to the work and to the book and to the teachings? What are some of the responses you're seeing? Well, the responses to the book are really beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blown away on how, like my mom, you know, my mom and Rachel's mom, Rachel's mom is like, poop, who's all that stuff. She's <laughs> like, ah, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. And so, you know, she came out while I was writing the book and so what are you doing? You know, like, and, mm-hmm. oh, I'd let her read a couple chapters and she was fascinated with the, you know, some of the techniques going on in there and she loved the food chapter and all that. Mm-hmm. And, but she's now rereading it again. And, you know, it, it works philosophically as well. It's not like you don't have to, you don't have to doubt it, it on a philosophical level. It's a great book too, yeah. mm-hmm. but it also gives you techniques. And my mom's reading and she, she just finished reading and she's like, Oh my God, Chris, I, you know, she's 80 years old. She's like, I wish I had the time to practice this. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's um, like, start now. It'll reverse yeah, aging Tuesday. though. That's yeah. what they talk yeah. about. Especially when you get into that breathlessness, it does reverse aging. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And yeah. And yeah. I tell you, I'm very grateful for all my practices, you know, for not giving up and to keeping, and I just pulled my health back together. And that was intense too, you know, long-term COVID shit, but But yeah, I think that, you know, it's really, there is the philosophical part and we can read about it all day, but I think the important part and what you're talking about too, is the actual sitting. Like we have to do that part, right? It's kind of like, you know, with teaching Reiki. At some point, the philosophy has to be dropped. All all the teachings need to be dropped at some point because now it's just you and your own awareness. And that awareness Mm -hmm. is timeless. It's ageless. It's a wisdom presence that will move beyond the body after death. And if you can get to know it, you can really now harness that for all kinds of beauty in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so agree. It's like your consciousness. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. It's, it's you and your awareness. And then you ultimately you want to align yourself with your awareness and not with your, your things in the world. Mm. We're aligning ourselves with so many different things, you know, and, you know, nationalities and, and cars and, you know, yes. Yeah. yeah this obsession with identity. And it's, um, you know, pre-pandemic, I had a full-on career and the pandemic put an end to that, which I'm feeling very grateful for because we've just spent the last two and a half years just meditating. And, and I got into my um, yoga that I'd been dreaming of doing for years. And, and you know, I just went on a sort of a holistic shift of, um, of, of everything from mind, body and soul. And, and but what I experienced was this incredible um first six months to a year of feeling that I was grieving my old identity. I literally had to do my own ceremonies to say goodbye and to let that old Rachel go and to let that career woman go and to let, um, you know, everything that my whole life had been built around that associated with that identity. It was, it was a big process to let that go, but it was so um, rewarding. It was, I remember there was one day um, we were out in the desert and I, I just felt this complete and utter final release of that old self. And I started weeping. I started weeping almost like I was just saying goodbye to an old friend or an old relative. And, and I remember coming in the house and I just said, you know what, Chris, I think I finally arrived at that moment where I am absolutely nobody and I'm loving it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's important to understand that meditation can help you with that. It can help you to release and let go of that identity and it can let you to be really present because the ego is trying to protect us. Right. I mean, right. That's what we yes. teach with emotional yep. freedom technique. It's like, it's trying to protect us. So we want to stay, but once we start to let that go with the mind and start to separate that out and start to recognize that true self of who we are, then it, it becomes easier and easier. It becomes easier to let that go. You're not waking up in the same place, holding on to the same thing. It's like, you know, we wake up, we check the mail. What happened yesterday? Is that who I am today? Right. We go through that. And yes, Right. And so this helps us having that practice to come to it and clear the mind and come from a fresh perspective. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, even for, you know, even like someone like me that hasn't practiced, there are days that are really challenging. You know, I talked going through a dark night of my own soul, like after grieving both parents and then COVID and then my business. And, you know, it's like, yeah. And then now here I am. Okay. I'm definitely not the same person. (laughs) And it's not just because I changed my haircut. Right. It's like, I'm definitely not the same (laughs) person. Right. But I definitely can wake up every day and renew that part of who I am and not, I don't quite know where I'm going either. Just like you both said too, like, okay, now what? Right. And it's like, I don't quite Mm -hmm. know either, but it is my spirit 
that I keep returning to. Okay, what's for today? What are we doing today until I can start to, you know, see what the world at large is doing and what's going on? But I love having the tools. I really do. And I mentioned earlier before we started the podcast, I do practice a meditation called the Ashaya's Ascension. I've lost some of the teachers, but it does sound familiar. And it just made me remember too, like, yes, this is like so important for where we are in humanity right now. We can't keep solving the same problems. We're angst. We're stressed. You don't know what to do. Okay, let's go have a few drinks. Let's go run in, you know, hit the tennis ball, whatever. But we didn't do anything different. We didn't come about it in a different way. And we've got to start to break through this crazy world that we're living in and that fast pace and that social media. We've just, we've, we've got to like slow down and find like, cause it's crazy how much in 20 minutes, all of a sudden you spent scrolling where in 20 minutes you could have sat and meditated. Yes, that is so true. That's the point. I fight that every day. It's not fight, but I talk about it. It's like, I almost have to like convince people, just put it down, (laughs) right? But we do feel better. Yes. Yeah, we do. We do. We totally do. And and like you said, it's only 20 minutes a day. Start there. You know, that's, but that in itself will just create an incredible, an incredible profound effect on on your psyche on your mentality on your state of emotion your emotional health your mental health and and also your body your physical body takes a break too so it's it really is it really is a it's a, a small commitment considering the benefits that we can reap from and that. it's a small con- commitment considering what you do in a day's time you know and it's just yeah. finding the time and like i'm i'm a big teacher on like okay first thing in the morning for the world gets going because re- otherwise mm-hmm. you get going forget about it Although some people say, no, Same I here. stop at lunch, which I was going to ask you how you do practice it. Cause I know when I was learning the Ashayas, it was like three 20 minute sessions a day, you know, like 20 minutes and then increase your time. But, but finding those different blocks of days, how, how do you guys teach this once a day, once in the morning? Like, what is your way of teaching it? Well, Rachel and I get up every morning we have our tea, we talk a little bit and then we meditate for 20 to 30 minutes. Then we, we kick off the day officially and have a coffee and get out into the world. And, um, the end of the day, we'll come back again and meditate again. And then, uh, oftentimes I'll wake up around one or two in the morning and just continue to meditate for an hour or two. Chris does the night shift. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, that those 40 to 60 minutes a day, you know, broken up into two sessions works great for us. I love that. Um, Yeah. But you know, yeah. If you, if you want to, if if you're really passionate about it, if you really want to understand to go deep, 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 you can wake up at night when you, you know, when you're not most, most of us wake up at night to go to the bathroom and you spend another half hour, 45 minutes meditating and go back to sleep. So that works well as also. Yeah. I set my alarm early 444, wake up and start meditating and running energy, drop a few ascension attitudes, same idea. Yeah. And then yeah. I get out of yes. bed and then I meditate some more. And then I have my official start of the day. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. I do a lot of several different yes. techniques, but I, I am one to do a lot of that, you know, spirit to spirit in, in my bed as those early morning hours, you know, and yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Before you start activating the body and it's easy, it's comfortable. You've got pillows for support. I mean, I think the key is to find somewhere also to your point, that's comfortable to you because Again, you know, you just, you want to make it as easy as possible for you just to set a routine, just to get going. And then, then you can start experimenting with, you know, sitting in the middle of a freeway and, you know, and experimenting with sound and stuff, you know, but um, I don't recommend that to anyone, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. I actually learned to meditate in the middle of New York city. That was my days of living in New York city. There you go. (laughs) It'd be hot. The windows open and everything. So I understand that, but I used to, when I worked in New York, back in my days of New York city, I, I would go in my car at lunch. I worked at, I worked at a made in USA jewelry factory and we're down the South shore and during lunch, I'd go in and just, you know, run my energy, meditate and then go back to work, you know? So there are ways that you can bring it into your life and what a difference it made for the rest of my day. You know, it really did. And I think that's part of it too, is just noticing the changes that occur. You know, it's like even recently too, it's like, well, this is a whole nother conversation. I probably shouldn't go into it, but it's like going to the <laughs> office and how crazy it makes me. And, and so my blood pressure jumps up. So it's like, okay, I get there early. I do some meditation a little bit and then my blood pressure is fine. Cause they're like, no, we'll put you on blood pressure. Like, no, wait, I just get nervous from all the waiting for you. Yeah. Anyway, this, this is yes. the training. Yeah. This is the training. Yes. You know, you give yourself little practice moments mm-hmm. to develop and, you know, it's not mystical. It's, it's actual physical and mental training that you're doing. And, mm-hmm. and so that's why we can all do it. 
Yeah, we can. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's making that commitment. I totally agree. And if you start with one minute, that's beautiful. If you go to five, then 20. But I do say there is something with the brain patterns that will change after you get to that 20 minute mark. And then it becomes easier, I think. I, I think agree. so. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. You need 20 minutes. But it is but finding is nothing. It's finding the right space. It's finding the right time and finding the right, you know, the right teachings that's going to work for you. But if you never start trying, you'll never start getting there. That's how I believe. That's yeah. right. Definitely. That's right. Yeah. So I know you also have this amazing, beautiful magazine, um, Sivan. Yeah. Riot material. Yes. Riot material. That's yeah. uh, my, my passion. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I love art. But I also love literature. I'm a writer and I love good writing and I love good art criticism. So it all comes together in the right material. Yeah, I was very impressed um, with that. Yeah. Are you right material like that? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. To see that you. come through. Yeah, for sure. And so tell us, like, are you going to be teaching this? Are you going to take it on the road? Are you going to take it online? How? What are you going to do? Is the book going to be its teaching into itself? Can I just go get the book? I have the book. Can I use the book and train myself? How do you see that? You certainly can. The book the book is written so you can train yourself. The book is written in such a way where you can, if you just wanted to sit with that book, you can take it all the way. Um, but I think the book is also going to inspire you to reach out to the great teachers. My preference is to, if somebody wants teachings, I'm going to say, go to this guy. And I, there, the, the beginning of the book has five, five teachers who were my big influences. I think three or four are still alive and teaching. These teachers would be great, but there's there's a dozen of them teaching in the West. I could certainly teach, but I want right now the book to be the my main teaching because I want to continue to practice. And I find I get distracted very easily if I'm in teaching mode, meaning I'm thinking about it all the time. And like, how do I say this? Or, you know, uh, did I speak to that person in the way that was best for them? So I think maybe I need some more time to mm. move into that role of being a teacher, but the, the book itself, I'm, you know, I've been a writer all my life. I know this practice very well. And so I think it communicates the teachings exceptionally well. Uh, and from a Western practitioner's perspective. So the metaphors are fresh, they're uh, relatable. So I think the book is a good starting point for anyone who wants to understand Dzogchen, but also it, whatever meditation practice you have, the book will also enhance that practice. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I want to be for now. But um, like we talk, spoke to earlier, who knows where we're going? It could be that <laughs> 10 years from now, I'm full-blown teaching, There you go. but I would hope to be, I would hope to be fully awakened by that. Well, no, 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 no. Sometimes, you know, the saying we need to learn. So no, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't know if we're ever fully awakened anyway, but you know, I I don't know. I think that it is a very valuable teaching right now. We are talking more about consciousness. Science is actually trying to, you Mm -hmm. know, do more research on consciousness. Yeah. I had um, Ram Lev, do you know him from the American Meditation Institute in New York? He's been on the show a couple of times. What's his Uh, name? Ram Lev is his uh, teaching name. Uh, Leonard Pullmutter. Definitely. No, yeah, that. you could, I'll send yeah. it to him. Yeah. Yeah. But we've cool. talked about consciousness. We've talked about that, you know, like, where is your consciousness? And, you know, where is it? You know, that kind of thing. So I do think that people are, are starting to understand it more and people aren't yeah. as close yes. off. Maybe I get a little jaded because I live in my own world, but I think this work is so needed right now. And your writing is yes. beautiful. I did not realize that, you know, how is that complicated to read? But I just kept reading like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Like, I, I felt like I was just even going within myself as I was reading the book. So, yeah, I'm really excited right. to even go further with it mm. and see for sure. And I I think meditation weekends are needed, too. So hint, hint. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So where is the best place for people to find the work? Um, you can go to enteringthemind.com and okay. you'll have access to the book right there. And um, Chris and I actually prepared a three-part podcast as well. So if you're interested in hearing us talk about key concepts in the book, that could be a, a great way to get yourself accustomed to the ideas. And then there's also a link to the tour, our podcast tour. So um, we'll be posting this interview there too, which is exciting. Okay, thank so, you. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, I'll definitely put the links in there as well. And the book is already out. It's out. out. Yep. Okay, excellent. Ready to go. Ready to go. (laughs) So generally, I come back and ask the question, how do you feel that the work that you're doing helps to empower the spirit? I'm pretty much sure we've talked about that, but how would you just kind of round up the conversation and leave us 
with an empowering comment about entering the mind and what it can do for you right now. Well, Rachel has, uh, Rachel's great at these closing statements. (laughs) For (laughs) Go on, Rachel. (laughs) Go ahead, Rachel. Now he's put me on the spot. (laughs) There you go. Um, Well, I could say I'm newer to the practice than Chris is. So I can, I can give you my word that from my experience with um, having read the book three times, I believe. (laughs) Um, Of course I was, helping out throughout the um, the creation of the book, just from a sort of a, um, bouncing ideas. But um, the, the book, the book is, is amazing. And it, like you said, it really does help you um, take this practice step by step. It opens up all sorts of possibilities on how to live holistically in a more healthy way. So it really does speak to the idea of, of cleaning your body, of relaxing your body, cleaning your energy body in preparation for the meditation, and then taking these very simple steps to begin. And and I have felt an incredible difference with the way that I interact with the world since practicing Dzogchen and since reading the book. It's, um, I feel that my emotional balance is so much calmer. I still get waves, but they're not, they're not, tsunamis (laughs) tsunamis <laughs> they're just really beautiful waves and of course floating on those waves is part of the skill that we develop over time it's not that your emotions disappear it's not that necessarily your anxiety or fear or your anger disappears but you're able to um, you're able to experience it within yourself in a much calmer way and you ride the waves without judgment and you ride those waves knowing that this is part of the training and part of the practice so I feel um, a general peacefulness about my whole being and and that is something that I think both of us can can say that everybody has the capacity to feel this and experience this if they integrate a daily practice definitely yeah just really riding the waves without judgment, finding mm-hmm. that gentle peacefulness come forward that yes. keeps you in this beautiful state. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. And Terry, what a pleasure. I am really pleased to see this work coming out more and more. And the book is beautiful. And so is your magazine, too. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So and thank you, Terry, for all the work you're doing. Yes. This is incredible. Thank you. And thank you for having us. And, um, yeah, we're wishing you all the best. On our, when you. we head to the South, we're coming over for coffee. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. And a meditation weekend, we're going to do it. Yes, all let's right. do it. <laughs> <laughs> to your spirit. Namaste. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. Bye. Yes. Finding that place of rest. Observing the mind. Allowing the consciousness you separate out from the body to free the body of pain. That is where healing occurs. You can harness it. And as they say, meditation is not mystical. It's a physical and mental exercise. If you never start trying, you never start. Check out the book. You can follow the practice with all the exercise they offer. It really is their main teaching. Take the practice step by step. And if you need help creating a spiritual practice, reach out to me. Schedule your spiritual upgrade, breakthrough call with me, and let's get you started one breath at a time. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Terri Ann Hyman. To your spirit, namaste. Namaste.